0: Welcome to Self-Compassionate Professor, a career wellness podcast for mid-career and recovering academics who want more, more meaning, balance, rest, joy, and more clarity. Our motto here is no regrets. So glad you're here. Hello, hello. How are you? Welcome to episode 90. I'm Danielle Delamar, and I'm so, so glad you joined. I am still in the middle of my break. I have really committed to it this time, and I think this is the most commitment I've devoted to a break before. Like, I think ever. And I think it has something to do with talking about it publicly like people know I'm taking a break (laughs) they know I'm doing it and because of that I feel some pressure to actually really do it not just tell myself you know oh I'm gonna take a break and then kind of do it but not really do it like no I am actually taking a committed break and let me tell you, it has been enlightening. (laughs) Um, It has, first of all, shown me sort of the places in my life that I feel sort of weak, um, things that I need to work on. But second of all, it is really showing me how often I don't show up for myself. Like, I will put in my calendar... Um, you know, this is the time that I need to work on this thing and I'll put like a three hour block in there. Okay. And when somebody maybe needs to meet with me when they're seeking a consult or I have a meeting with a colleague or I have a client that like needs to get in, I will just overlook that block of time that I have reserved for myself. I'll be like, oh yeah, yeah. I don't really have to be there. I mean, that's just the time I set aside to do this work. But let me tell you something, that is work I really need to do. And if I don't make space for that work, I end up doing that work in moments where I should be resting. And what I'm realizing now is that if I have a block of time like that reserved for myself, which I often do, and I more often than not overlook that time and pencil somebody else in, if I look at that block of time as an actual appointment with myself, is like an act of showing up for myself. I am forced to admit that I, my energy, my time, my value, my needs, me, I am worth that block of time. I am forced to show up for myself in the same way I show up for other people. And I haven't been on this break that that long, but I feel like that is a really big sort of aha moment. I, I mean, I for so long knew this on an intellectual level, but since I've been taking this committed break, I'm really feeling it on a much deeper level. Like, I'm really, really realizing that my whole life I have pushed my own stuff to the side so that I could show up for other people instead. And because now I'm publicly taking a break, I am intentionally showing up for myself, I'm realizing how good it feels. To have me in my calendar, right? To have exercise in my calendar. To have journaling time in my calendar. And if I look at that space on my calendar that I have set aside for me and I honor that block of time, I am forced to make this sort of micro commitment to myself every single time somebody wants to talk to me or has some expectation of me during that time I have blocked off. Do you see what I'm saying here? So if I look at this blocked off time and I intentionally honor that time, that feeling that I matter becomes very, very tangible. Again, something that we can sort of get at at an intellectual level, but not at this sort of deeper level until you actually practice it right like you actually truly practice it and sure there's guilt and there's also issues of like not trusting the process like if i really do take this space for myself then you know i'm not going to get anything i need done and then i'm going to even be more behind i mean that kind of stuff comes up but honestly I've been doing career wellness work long enough to trust that honoring that space will actually create more space for me. And so the more you do this stuff, the more you practice this stuff, the more you reserve space for yourself, the more you trust that it truly is a good practice. (laughs) And honestly, who wants to show up? for a life that they're not actually in, (laughs) right? Like, if you only show up for other people, if you only show up to get the work done and meet the expectations, like, where are you in your own life? (laughs) And I think that's a really important piece and something that I've known and I've practiced to some extent but something that I'm really feeling at a deep, tangible level since I've been really taking this public break. So, yeah, I guess uh, that said, I'm going to introduce you to Dr. Ozgun Unver. And this interview was originally released in July, and so she talks about this, like, burnout course, um that she's doing, and she says that it starts August 1st, and so obviously that is now outdated information. (laughs) Um, But she is going to be offering another burnout course fairly soon. And so when I reached out to her and asked her how she felt about my re-releasing her interview, she said, like the previous guests over the last two weeks, that she was glad I was taking a break. woo woo. We need more people like that in our lives. If you don't have people like that in your life, get them. And secondly, she said if people want to take the burnout course, um, they can go to her website, which is mindyourownrevisions.com and sign up for the newsletter. And if you are signed up for the newsletter, she will let you know when the next burnout class is coming up. And like I said, she's planning on it. Fairly soon. So get yourself to her website, sign up for the newsletter, and voila, <laughs> you will get to take her burnout course, which I have heard is very, very powerful. All right, y'all, here's the interview now. Hey, hey, thank you so much for joining our conversation today. I'm so excited to introduce you to my interviewee, Dr. Ozgun. Unbear, burnout and well being coach. Uzgun, how are you?
1: Thank you so much, Danielle, for having me. I am doing great. Thank you. How are you?
0: I am pretty dang good. Um feeling a lot of new freedom from the you know pandemic because things are opening up a little bit and oh, yes.
1: ooh, here it too. Feels good. And this- in this part of the world too. I'm in Belgium. So I'm so happy that uh, we can take off our masks uh, out in the street now in this heat.
0: Oh yes, yes, yes. And then I actually have people who can help me with childcare now and I'm not just stuck in oh. my house with kids nonstop. Yay. Oh
1: yes. Amazing.
0: <laughs> I know. Um, so yay, I'm glad we're both doing well and we're both kind of focused on issues of burnout. I went through burnout as an academic. I know you went through burnout as an academic. And that's sort of your specialty, right? You're a burnout and well-being coach. So I am so excited to dig into this because this is the stuff that I really care about. And I find, yeah. oh, what do I, I find it so, so important because um, when you're in a state of burnout, you have like no access to your inner wisdom. <laughs> you
1: have oh, no
0: access to like yourself. You don't know how to make good decisions. You're yes. just kind of like a, a lump, like a, a pile of hopelessness and helplessness. And yes. oh, and I can just feel it in my body when I describe it. Um, yes. So will you talk a little bit about burnout and, um, you know, I know you talk a little bit about the spectrum of burnout. I know you've gone through your own burnout. Um, so will you talk about when it hit you as an academic, mm-hmm. and what kind of burnout you had? Um, what were you noticing? All that stuff.
1: Ah, uh, yeah, of course. Well, thank you for starting with the most difficult question. Oh! Yeah, <laughs> happy happy <laughs> I'm to <sorry>. answer. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's okay. It's okay. Well. <laughs> um uh it it hit me the burnout hit me a few months before i submitted my phd thesis mm. um i was really like running for it like, ignoring everything um i haven't talked about this before but i i now realize the importance of talking about this too so i was also um Kind of self-medicating kind of taking prescription drugs to also uh, be able to be more efficient and productive mm-hmm. and a lot of uh, i went through a lot of stress uh, the year before uh my burnout well let's say two years before that but the whole phd process was also very um stressful let's say uh, for for a variety of reasons but compared to Many people whose stories I know, I was doing pretty well in terms of supervisor, attentiveness, uh, you know, good relationships with colleagues and all of that. And uh, actually the signs had started much, much, much earlier than the, the, the crash and burn moment came. Okay. Uh, but of course I remember that moment as the start of my burnout which was I can even almost can remember the date it was towards the end of uh, February or something um, and it came in a form of a complete nervous breakdown when I was mm-hmm. uh, at home alone on a Sunday and uh, I couldn't they even drink water that day like I, I was hysterically crying and not knowing what to do with myself like what what do I do couldn't call anyone couldn't ask for anyone's help I had like my mind was completely blank I it there was this thought of okay I should ask for help this is not okay uh, it's, this may be dangerous for for me for my safety but on the other hand okay who do I call what do I tell them Uh, Yeah, there's nothing I can tell. So it was a a terrible day like that. And um, then by chance, a friend of mine stopped by and I opened the door and she was there and then she took me to the doctor and all of that. And uh, that that was the wake-up call for me. Uh, Even after that, I started to keep working. I tried to keep working a bit longer, but uh, then it didn't work out. And in Belgium, thank God, we have this amazing social security system where you can take uh, sick leave because of burnout. It is a, a diagnosable, uh, yeah, illness here. Awesome. Yes, that is that is great because that helped me a lot. I then spent a few months home. The idea was to not work at all, like taking sick leave. But I said, okay, if I keep, uh, if I let this PhD thesis lingering around, I will never get better. So I will just do one last push and like finish it up without uh, going further into like fixing things. And then I, I submitted. But then after submission, I had a nice holiday and then came back and started working again. And a month later, boom, it hit me again. I, ah. Not as dramatic as before, but the signs were there, like a uncontrollable, crying, heavy depression, like uh, this exhaustion, all of that. So I took a little bit more time off and then came back and then boom, a few months later again. So like this, I had uh, four or five relapses. Until I said okay there is <laughs> mm-hmm. what I'm doing is clearly not working like taking time off from work it is very important but it will not fix my problem mm-hmm. so what I did in the meantime a lot of things to to uh, find back my mental health uh, especially because burnout hits everyone on different levels and in different parts of their health for me the most vulnerable part was my mental health, obviously, and then it hits from there. I know people who still have insomnia after f- five years after their recovery from burnout, for instance, like without having any mental health problems. Some okay. other people have issues of, I don't know, blood pressure and all of that, that, that cannot be like understood where where they came from and all of that. So for me, it was more in the mental health. But uh, yeah, going to the therapist didn't solve it all for me, that was important, but it was more of a teamwork with my uh, physician, my general physician, a psychologist, a psychiatrist and several coaches, a coach to help me uh, with my eating disorder, for instance, I had that uh, also. And while she was helping me with that, she ended up helping me a lot with burnout too, because everything is connected. Another coach helped me with uh, choosing a new career track for me, like, do I stay, do I go, what do I do? Do I have really enough reasons to leave my academic career? Uh, So yeah. Eventually things got better. I felt better, uh, obviously. And I want to say this to everyone who are in this, um, just like you described, in under this pile of hopelessness and helplessness. It may feel that you will never get out of it, and it it is a place that can feel very scary for people like us because we are intellectuals, we are left-brainy people, uh, like we. We make our living by thinking, right? It's that intellectual activity. And that with with burnout, that stops, just doesn't. You you can't even decide whether to get up and get a glass of water or not. Like it's, you come to that level. So it is very scary. And you think that you will never come out of it. But you can, because I did. Everybody can come out of it that's the good side of this uh, happy ending of this story let's say of this burnout story for me
0: okay so i want to ask about how you sustain um sort of wellness in your own life now after having been through burnout and after having multiple relapses
1: the most important thing for me that, that what all that coaching all that therapy and all of that the the recovery process gave me is self-acceptance and self-compassion. Those became, well, self-acceptance became this basis of whatever I do and whatever I uh, take on as a challenge or not. And also accepting, for example, my chronic depression that changed my life because it was something I was trying to get rid of before uh yeah now but now it is something that i say uh okay this is what i have like i i've had it the majority of my life i don't expect it to go away i am going to focus on like living with this managing this treating this as good as possible and when and if there is a flare-up okay that that's okay there are many people who live with uh, chronic depression and i will live with that too it's fine like uh, and i uh built a, a support system and i do have a podcast episode about this also like how to how to ask for help and uh, all of that the other thing oh I my should... gosh i forgot
0: to mention your podcast Hi. Ah, ah, okay. Yes, yes, just so everyone knows, Ozgun is a fellow podcaster at Mind Your Own Revisions podcast. Okay, yes go
1: ahead, <laughs> Thank you. Yes, so my podcast is called Mind Your Own Revisions. I try to come up with a smart name for academics and this is the yes. best I could find. <laughs> um, yeah. And the, the other thing uh, as, as I said is self-compassion. It's a really it's my north star. Just I am a human being, no more, no less. I am worthy and and, uh, important. I'm a snowflake, quote unquote, Mm. uh, like everyone else. Uh, So I deserve as much as goodness as other people, but I cannot take on the whole world. Like there's a limit to what I can do and there's a limit to what I'm supposed to do so and the the idea of you know you can't pour from an empty cup when i realize that that cup is emptying out uh that self-compassion kicks in now and okay what's what's going on here let's look deeper into what am i feeling where is that coming from what do i need at this moment but yeah, these, when I say these like that, it sounds like a recipe, you know, like a checkboxes. Ah, oh, yeah, ask yourself these questions and then, well, well you're done. That. It's yeah. not that, you know, you really no. need to have a paradigm shift for these questions to start working for you. That was my problem all this time.
0: Amen. I totally agree with that. Yeah, all this stuff can sound so superficial if you're if you're just taking it up as information and not like like you say, a paradigm shift, like a real feeling that um, self-compassion is um, something that you feel, not just think through. Yeah, yeah,
1: 100%. And that's why I love the name of your podcast and everything that you did, because when I found it, I'm like, oh my god someone used this in the context of academia as a podcast say oh, great self-compassion ah, self-compassion. i love that
0: thank you i am with you on the self-compassion piece um i guess i would say that i got turned on to it when i went to a workshop at the university of michigan mm-hmm. in ann arbor when i went to um something that Kristen Neff was putting on Kristen Neff is essentially like the researcher responsible for mindful self-compassion, which is Mm -hmm. like a body of research that's going back like 20 years or so. Mm -hmm. And I was at her workshop and she was getting me for the first time to really pay attention to how Mm -hmm. I was feeling. And this is when I was Deeply in burnout, like you. I was having like spontaneous, sort of crying episodes um, in the mornings when I had to go to campus. And I go to this workshop and I cried and cried and cried and cried because it was the first time Mm -hmm. in, I don't know, ever maybe, (laughs) that I had actually made space for my emotions and I had actually like turned into them and responded to them kindly. And I was in sort of a trance for uh, a good several days after the workshop because mm-hmm. I was just so shaken by the experience. Um, so uh, when you talk about this, I, I hear you and I hear mm-hmm. you deeply. Um, and I think that I was like you in that I had a lot of signs that I was burning out much, much earlier. And, um, I didn't pay attention to them. I didn't listen to that inner voice. And so I want to ask you a little bit about that. How, so what were the signs that were starting earlier for you? And then the second part of that question is, um, how did you sort of silence the voice that was telling you, hey, I think you're getting burned out. Like, what are the things you did to silence mm. it?
1: Very good mm. question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, in terms of signs, when I look back, well, it will sound a bit dramatic, but I don't see any problem with dramatic. My whole no. life was full of signs. Actually, my ah. whole life brought me to that moment of nervous breakdown. Ah. And it is—it's a very long story, but it has you know these uh, systemic uh, factors in it, the structural societal like family uh, things mm-hmm. and all of that. So I was born and um, I was born in Turkey. I grew up there, and. Um, to be able to get to a university uh, in Turkey you need to like study really hard from your primary uh, like elementary school years my generation and many generations before me and after me too yeah we had no time to be a child not enough time let's say uh, i let me not generalize it but there was this this overemphasis on working productivity learning knowing everything under the sun like yeah you that's the least you're supposed to do in order to quote unquote save your life so i was really programmed to study to work and when i didn't feel like it just pushed through because you know this you have this thing called willpower and you should suppress all of the emotions and everything and you should just do what, are, what you're supposed to do. So it started even from from that. Wow. But then let's go to a few years before the burnout when the, the whole thing started. Like uh, I was struggling with procrastination a lot uh, in my life, but it became a really big issue. Um the depression got worse for uh, some years. This was also a result of many other things. You know, I'm a Turkish person living in Belgium and then I don't have the support system that I had back home and all of that. Uh, so that too. And then closer and closer to the moment of burnout, uh, yeah, other weird things started to happen. For example, I started to get anxiety attacks. Like I, I that was something completely new to me. Um, I was supposed to take a plane to to go to a conference and I uh, went to a doctor a week before that and I said, I, I can't take that plane, I'm so scared. Like that kind of, those kind of things were, you know, that they, they, they were never the case for me. Uh, so those kind of uh, things started to happen. Well, I... Uh, was wondering whether I had ADHD uh, and started, you know, seeking uh, for diagnosis and all of that for that, because to me being not productive, not being able to work, okay, there should be a, like a medical reason behind yeah. it. it. It can't be. And I didn't know about burnout. I mean, burnout, I, heard, I had heard about it, but it was something for people who have like, Uh, low willpower, you know, the people who couldn't push through. Like, I am not like that. If that thing once happened to me, I am quote-unquote better than everyone else. You know, Mm -hmm. it's really, this thing really puts you back to your place. It's like this (laughs) thing happens to everyone. And when you look at research, actually, burnout happens to exactly people like me who think, that they are super productive and super intelligent <laughs> and then like go through all of the exams and like oh I have a, a degree degree after degree like I have degrees collection and and the people while doing all of these who forget about everything else that is important in life. So I was the like, perfect candidate for burnout. So that's what happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those were the signs and after that you know these crying episodes started this uh, mood uh, my mood becoming even crazier than than the known depression to me at that time uh, and how did i silence these well by pushing them like back like no you ca- you can't come up uh, am i um, i don't have energy okay then then i will find a, a Pill for that, uh, ginseng pills, uh, ginkgo mm. pills, uh, more green tea, energy drinks, whatever, like uh, solve it with caffeine. Or, uh, yeah, do, do I not want to feel something? Okay, eat, eat instead of that, like uh, eat my feelings. Mm-hmm. Or, or am I not uh, being productive at all? Okay, push myself further than, than work, work at night, work on weekends, work, work, work. Become a workaholic. So, a really dysfunctional way of uh, dealing with all of the signs that were clearly telling me it's time to stop. So, since I ignored it for too long, at some point my body said like okay you're not listening to me i am shutting down and i'm not i am bringing you to this place where you cannot make any decisions anymore you cannot think for yourself anymore and then you're a vegetable now deal with it
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah so one of the things that strikes me when you're talking is this relationship to self like you just sort of cut that off like mm-hmm. we have no relationship I have no relationship to me yeah, like, exactly. I am not listening to anything I uh, I'm not listening to any signs that my self is giving me that my yes. body is giving me that my yes. spirit is giving me no stop it stop it stop it stifle it stifle it stifle it and so when you're stifling it when you're stopping it when you're silencing it when you're not letting yourself talk to yourself, um, I'm wondering what is the fear? Why won't you let yourself speak to yourself? Mm.
1: The fear was I just didn't like what I saw in there. Mm. You know this this because what I saw in there was a like a normal, regular human being, and I was pushing myself to be ah. more than that. Ah. I was pushing myself to be to be the person who could do anything and everything and keep like an okay weight and then uh, keep a social life, work really hard, do the PhD, do the others.
0: I should be a superstar, dang it. Uh
1: Uh-huh.
0: Okay. And so what is your advice to other people? Like what should they be looking at if they sort of, they can see themselves in your story and they're sort of seeing that they maybe burned out what would you say to them how should they start responding to some of the stuff they might be saying
1: mm-hmm. um i don't know if you have read that book but gabor mate has this amazing book called uh the um, when the body says no mm. it's an amazing book and it is all about this uh this stress being accumulated and then like popping out somewhere in, in an uncontrollable way this can come up in a in, in the form of a disease in the form of burnout whatever so what I would tell those people is that yeah you you think that you are so smart <laughs> if, if, <laughs> a, if a younger version of me is listening to this I would tell her. You think you are so smart and that, that you can solve and manage everything with your mind, with your intellect. No, you have a body and that mind is actually a part of that body. And mm. be careful when your body gives you signals, when your body is not on board with what your mind is trying to do, because your body will always win. It will. It, it will get what it wants eventually, either you give it to your body in a, like a nice way by listening the dialogue and all of that otherwise the body will say okay now i, I don't give you a choice anymore this is it shutting down yeah, yeah. so yeah. i would i would really like to raise awareness about this actually burnout prevention because many people until they get burnt out they don't know that this can happen to them to, to this extent. Well, I am not the, the a, a really dramatic case of burnout, by the way. I know people who were really hospitalized, who had huge health problems and the ongoing things even, even several years later. So this is no joke. And, and uh, what I would also tell this person is that yeah you're clearly afraid of looking deep into what you will see when you stop Mm -hmm. and take a break Mm -hmm. but running from it won't change anything you will have to face that thing sooner or later so try to do it sooner (laughs) before you crash Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. and do you think this is something we should be looking for in other people you know in the same way we talk about you know suicide prevention or whatever mm-hmm. right um like is this something we need to be having like a bigger sort of collective conversation about in higher ed in absolutely. academia absolutely
1: absolutely absolutely the, the thing about burnout is that yeah you know it is called burnout syndrome well according to the, the who has already put it like in the in a in its list well it's not a disease but it is somewhere on the list somewhere in belgium it is a diagnosable like health condition and all of that but it is still somewhere in between yeah does it exist does it not exist is it something else and we're calling everything burnout so there's still a lot of ambiguity about it yeah but just like we talk now more and more about mental health in academia we have to talk about burnout too because i believe uh that we academics are more prone to having such problems because we, we obviously push ourselves a lot and we, we overemphasize our mental activity over mm. anything else. So, so it is very easy for us. This is, again, my opinion to lose the touch with our bodies just like you said like what i'm what am i feeling well who cares what you're feeling what are you thinking <laughs> so we are we are a bit like like that uh, biased towards the, the 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 cognitive side of things while ignoring everything else and uh, this makes it a huge issue and we, we forget that we are regular human beings sometimes in our ivory tower we forget that we are just like everyone else
0: Okay, I'm just thinking about the, like, I should be a superstar. I should show everybody how great I am. I should be able to stand out. Um, and, like, what's the secret? Um, how do we allow ourselves? I, I mean, I guess the question, it comes back to what you were talking about before. How do we practice self-acceptance? And not push ourselves to be something
1: we're not. Yeah. Well, very good question. I think the humankind has been dealing with this question for a very long time. Mm -hmm. And although you use the word secret. Yeah, it is both kind of a secret and kind of mysterious. But also not. Because there are people who get there. And as I said, it's a paradigm shift. Like you just need to learn you in a way start over with your thinking with the way you view yourself and the world in a completely different way and that is how you can shift the paradigm and then accept yourself because accepting yourself is not something that you can study and then you can take an exam for and then pass and then voila you are self-accepting it doesn't work that way that's why it takes Uh, It took me, at least personally, many years of coaching, therapy, thinking this and that and that. And I'm still not like kind of quote unquote done. Right. I am on the way. But I realized that, okay, even though I am not completely done and I don't think I will ever get there, I can start helping people to get on the road, at least with me by by feeling their feelings managing their mind and increasing their capacity to, to experience stress, as well as every other emotion in the world. So to me, and this, uh, these three actually later on became the kind of the pillars of my, my coaching practice where I uh, take people through, um, because as you said, Uh, Feeling the feelings, you know, letting yourself, feeling them, that is the first step. But when you tell this to people, they they just look at you like, yeah, what do you mean? I feel my feelings, of course, like, duh. Well, (laughs) no, (laughs) probably you're not. If you are burnt out, I can assure you that you're not feeling your feelings properly. You're trying to avoid them. Otherwise, you wouldn't end up there, Right. So it, it starts from there, like, but this requires a lot of courage because as I said, at that time, I was also very scared of what I would find there and I wouldn't like it. And I was trying to run away from it. Well, the secret is to stay with it, despite the discomfort, despite the fear and not liking it and just, just going through it. The only way forward is through, in a mm-hmm. way. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yes. And you're making me think of, um, Stephen Hayes, uh, the founder of acceptance and commitment therapy. And he, he talks about having like, um, an anxiety attack in a faculty meeting once and, um, just like absolutely losing it and, and couldn't get out of the faculty meeting. Mm -hmm. Um, like he was sort of edged in like physically, (laughs) like he was at the end of this table. And there were all these people around the table and he couldn't get behind them to get to the door to get out of the meeting. And and it was sort of life changing because then his anxiety kept coming out over and over and over and over and Mm -hmm. over again. And one of the things, uh, and this is what founded Acceptance and Commitment Therapy. He realized one night after trying so hard to control the anxiety, he realized that he could just sit in the anxiety and yep. feel it in his body and yeah. just watch it and witness it and do nothing. Yep. Um, because he, it was, it was manifesting as, you know, over-preparing and mm-hmm. trying to avoid certain topics and all this stuff. And, uh, you know, that happened to me as well. And I, he doesn't talk about it in terms of burnout, mm-hmm. but you know, it's, it, I mean, it's all related, right? It's all comes back to not paying attention to what you need and not being willing to digest all the emotions that you're having and not being willing to sort of turn into the reality that you need some something and you need to listen to your body. Um, so yeah, I'm just thinking about that. And I'm also wondering as you teach this course, um, that you're about to be, uh, teaching, I think you said in August, bounce back from burnout. Oh, yes. Yes. Um, what, like, what are, what is the beginning step of that? I know you said, you know, recognize where you are on the spectrum. That's sort of the first place to go. Um, but what else should people be doing when they're recognizing, um, themselves for the first time they, and that they actually have like, emotions and that they're not superstars
1: and all the stuff <laughs> <laughs> yeah very good question well uh actually the 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 feeling your feelings part it, it took me pretty long to get a hang of it and i'm still working mm-hmm. on it it's a work in progress so i don't expect anyone my clients also to master it uh, immediately but the, the idea of this course that you mentioned, it's called uh, Bounce Back from Burnout. And it will be a one month long uh, program. Uh, it will be like a mini mini course, like an introduction to what the hell burnout is, why would, you would get burned out, what kind of support you need and how you can bounce back from it. When I list it like this, it sounds like a a lecture, like that I would come with a PowerPoint slides. And like these are the reasons. Next slide. These are how you get out of it. Well, it doesn't work that way. That is why I want to. My aim is to uh, really start creating this paradigm shift in people's minds. And it will be a group program. Uh, And. Yeah, now that we're talking about it I, I will also give the deadline to register it is until yes. the 1st of august until sunday 1st of august people can uh, register for this it will be completely free this is a better round of a, of an online course i'm i'm preparing so the first round uh, i am doing it for free so that both i can help many people and also i can get feedback from them and and uh, make the best possible course outline late for late okay month.
0: and i and i gotta say to the people out there who are about to start fall semester and you're having like a panic attack about the fact that you have to start fall semester so <laughs> oh
1: yes H- whole august we will we will do this because as as we talked until now it is many people talk about burnout uh, prevention and recovery uh, as a, like a checklist a step-by-step process i oh, yeah, you just take breaks spend time in nature read a novel and voila you're out of it well no it doesn't work that way and it, it requires more than that but it doesn't require more than that in terms of like uh heavy physical uh, mental activity and all of that but just a different approach but an approach that we are not used to take as academics so that is the whole point of this course so as you asked uh, as you said already that we will talk about the burnout spectrum because burnout is different things to different people actually it is not a spectrum of uh from a to b but there is also all kinds of uh forks on the road right it can it can manifest itself in your physical health in your mental health for some people say that I hate my job and my colleagues and I want to kill everybody some people mm-hmm. say I am I am so depressed some people say um, I can't sleep some people say yeah uh, I lost my appendix uh, because of stress and all that so it's it's completely different thing for everyone else. So first of all, we need to understand what burnout is for ourselves. And secondly, what I want to talk about this course, also, I will also say this here now, that we are too hung up on etiquettes and on labels. Mm. So I can now say that I have had the burnout syndrome because I was diagnosed with it because I had because my doctor was able to diagnose it but what if all those instances where people don't get the official diagnosis does it mean that you don't have burnout no Mm -hmm. no it doesn't you don't have to be diagnosed with it right you need to really uh, look at your life now your previous self like what is the difference between the two like is is it also normal. Do you want to be here? If you had, if you have had burnout symptoms all your life, or as as far back as you can remember, oh yeah, maybe there is something else going on. So I want people to have this awareness of being able to recognize when things get out of hand and when the signs are there, so that it doesn't uh, end up in a full blown boom burnout syndrome because once you get there it is pretty difficult to get out of it you do get out of it it just takes much more time uh you can be incapacitated to work for a long time i hear a lot that people take around two years to fully recover and be able to go back to work like can you afford that can you can you afford to lose two years of your life basically or at least a partially lose it because because you just don't even have the concentration to read one page of a novel even like do you want to Mm. come to that stage you don't have to so uh, it is also this this prevention aspect it is also it will be also supplementary to uh, people who have recovered to a certain extent and who want to continue this because again from my story and from many other stories that i listen to Burnout, relapse is a reality. It happens to many people. It becomes a chronic thing. And the only way out, uh, in my opinion, is to have this paradigm change. And that uh, what kind of support do you need? That is like, do you, do you need to go to the, um, do you need a coach? Do you need a psychiatrist? Do you need a doctor? Like, sometimes people, uh, don't assess well what they actually need to do there was a time that a a, a, a medical doctor came to me i am a coach right i am a, i'm a coach and i'm not a mental health uh, professional or anything this medical doctor came to me and uh, like i cannot of course diagnose this but from everything i could see she was like super depressed And I asked her like, why are you here? Why, why are you talking to me? Shouldn't you go to a colleague of yours or a therapist, psychotherapist? She said, ah, yeah, but I don't want to take medication. So I just, I'm looking for help elsewhere. Sometimes we are so disconnected from what is going on that we, we cannot make the right decision to go to the right professional to help us at that moment. So for, for that person, she didn't need a coach at that moment. She needed a medical doctor and a, and a psychotherapist, in my opinion, at least, so I, I uh, told her that. So we will talk about all of these things. And then finally, we will also talk about how to bounce back, how to create this paradigm shift, what you need to do to get out of this uh, issue and then never have to go back there. And it is not very difficult. It is pretty simple. Uh, in hindsight it's just that we have a lot of resistance to it sometimes to, to accept what it's so so obvious that's there yeah and
0: it strikes me that that's what's so important about this being a group effort rather um rather than a one-to-one coaching program not that the one-to-one isn't super beneficial but like having a bunch of people who are in it at the same time, who like need each other, who need to see that other people are out there sort of um, braving through the same issues that they are, Um, seems like a really um, mm, powerful
1: part of the program. Yeah. And that is one of our problems in academia. We all think that uh, also for people who have mental health issues, right? We think that we are the only one who's struggling and we don't dare to open up. But it is is—it is wrong. So many people are struggling. When uh, you look at the numbers, uh, at least one third of academics at every level, they're struggling with uh, depression or anxiety or another mental health difficulty. Well, where, where are those people? I've never heard a colleague of mine talking about that. Mm-hmm. But I know, I know it is there. So we need to really normalize these conversations about mental health, about burnout, about the fact that we are human beings. We are not just brains walking around and having intellectual conversations. We are human beings with emotions and, yeah, a bigger life than than our academic career.
0: So that said, tell us where people can find you if they want to talk more about this or they have questions for you or they want to know about the class that you're offering, where do they uh, go?
1: Yeah. yeah, thank you. Uh, well, they can find me on all social media channels with my name Özgün Ünver. I know it's a difficult one, so I am uh, <laughs> I trust that you will write it and then people can find me. I am most Absolutely. active on, on LinkedIn. Uh, but they can also find me on on uh, Facebook and and uh, Instagram and all of that and my coaching practice is called mind your own revisions also the name of my podcast and my website is called www.mindyourownrevisions.com so when they go to either of these they will definitely find a link to to the to register to apply for the the free one month online course that I will be starting in August. As I said uh, before, the deadline is 1st of August. So don't wait too long, just register. There's already a lot of amazing uh, people in it, mostly women. So I would really uh, recommend this to, to women academics, female academics who feel exhausted Uh, who have lost their zest for life and work, who cannot uh, produce anything, who have lost their enthusiasm about their job and all of that. Don't wait too long for these issues to become bigger and bigger and then having to stop you. Just come join us it is not as bad as you are afraid of, I can assure you. So <laughs> for touching back on that, that fear aspect, it is, yeah, all of these things that we avoid doing because we are so afraid of seeing what is there. It's really not that bad at the end of the day. You go like, wow, was, was it this that I tried to avoid all these years? It's, it's, yeah.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay, uh, and then I want to ask you, is there anything you want to say to complete our conversation? Anything that feels important that uh, we haven't covered yet?
1: Well, we covered uh, many things. Uh, well, we didn't have the conversation about my career change, ma- but maybe that's the subject for another podcast episode, uh, because yeah. I got out of academia. And I'm working like full time in research support now. Uh, but otherwise, I would like to close by saying that I so admire your work. Thank you so much for doing this. Really, before I mm-hmm. uh, before I did my career change, like stepped out of academia for good, I was listening to your podcasts and. Uh, was thinking like oh yeah can i do it look at these people wow they're amazing they they managed to make a whole new life for themselves out of this it gave me a lot of courage and insight so i was a fan of yours before we even met right (laughs) i'm so glad and thank
0: you for saying that it's all my pleasure yes yes you're very
1: welcome and i can imagine uh, that yeah, it is very important for you to hear this too, because I know how much effort it takes to prepare a podcast series like this and do what you do so regularly for such a long time. So it is definitely helping people and I am one of those people. So thank you for doing this. And thank you for making the all of these different people's voices to be heard by everyone else and then giving other academics the courage to really choose for themselves and and think of what is really important in their life so thank you for that
0: thanks for listening to self-compassionate professor find me on linkedin at danielle delamar on twitter and instagram at danielle sc or schedule a free coaching consult at selfcompassionateprofessor.com. Be well.